Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to our visitors and those who are watching us online today as well. Well, they're saying, if you're going to do it, you better have your will in place. You better know how things are going to be divided up, what your last will and testament is. I heard about it on the news this past week that a 62-year-old man from Detroit was determined to go over to Ukraine and help them with the fighting, help them defend their country. He apparently had some connections to Ukraine, maybe doing some teaching over there or something. To us, it probably seems foolish to do something like that. But this morning in our service, we're going to hear about how Jesus had a similar kind of determination, yet even more so. It might seem foolish to some. He was determined to go to Jerusalem to die, but he had his will in place, and it was for our good. We'll hear more about that in our service today. We'll follow along with the order of service as it's printed out for you in your worship folder and projected on the screen. Let's begin with our opening hymn, 395.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Almighty and merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed what we have devised and desired in our hearts. We have offended you and sinned against your holy law. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we have not done those things that we should have done. Have mercy on us, Lord. Spare us, forgive us, and restore us, according to your promises in Christ Jesus. God, our merciful Father, has forgiven all our sins. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and Savior. Jesus paid the penalty for our guilt by his death on the cross and freed us from death by his resurrection from the grave. We have peace with God now and forever. Amen. be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you see that we have no power to defend ourselves. Guard and keep us both outwardly and inwardly from all adversities that may happen to the body and all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. In our scripture lessons for today, we see one common thread of determination running through the lessons. In our first lesson from Jeremiah chapter 26, we see Jeremiah as a prophet of the Lord, determined to bring the Lord's message to others, even if it meant his own death. But as soon as Jeremiah finished telling all the people everything the Lord had commanded him to say, the priests, the prophets, and all the people seized him and said, You must die. 
Why do you prophesy in the Lord's name that this house will be like Shiloh, and this city will be desolate and deserted? And all the people crowded around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard about these things, they went up from the royal palace to the house of the Lord and took their places at the entrance of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and all the people, This man should be sentenced to death because he has prophesied against this city. You have heard it with your own ears. Then Jeremiah said to all the officials and all the people, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the things you have heard. Now reform your ways and your actions and obey the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent and not bring the disaster he has pronounced against you. As for me, I am in your hands. Do with me whatever you think is good and right. Be assured, however, that if you put me to death, you will bring the guilt of innocent blood on yourselves and on this city and on those who live in it. For in truth, the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. The word of the Lord. In our second lesson from Philippians chapter 3 and 4, we see the apostles, Apostle Paul's determination, which is a far different determination from the people of this world who live for themselves and their stomachs and their own pleasure. Paul was determined to be found in Christ and to seek heaven. May it be so with us as well. But whatever gains were to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again even with tears many live as enemies of the cross of Christ their destiny is destruction their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame their mind is set on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. The word of the Lord.
Please stand. Glory, praise, and honor to you, Lord Jesus Christ. found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Glory, praise, and honor to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Our gospel lesson for today from Luke chapter 13 also serves as the basis for the sermon. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox, I will keep driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of our Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn, 817.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word we consider in the sermon today, the gospel lesson from Luke 13. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is true. Amen. By the time of World War II, airplanes were in widespread usage. During World War II, they were used for transporting supplies and troops, for making flyover bombings. They were used for recon missions, trying to find out what the enemy was up to. But one of the ways that they were used was fast planes doing quick maneuvers and rolls, outfitted with machine guns in this air-to-air combat known as dogfights. And when one of the pilots would be shot down and the plane would crash, an expression came to be widely used known as, he bought the farm. It's a way of saying that he died. One theory behind how that phrase came about was when an airplane crashed into a farm or a field, it could cause an awful lot of damage. Uh, There could have been bombs that blew up or undetonated explosives causing all kinds of uncertainty. And so the government might compensate the landowner there for the inconvenience and the trouble. It would be enough so that he could buy the farm enough so that he could pay off the rest of the mortgage on that. Today, in our section of of Luke 13, we hear about all kinds of warlike things, whether it was scheming and strategy, victory and tragedy, bravery and boldness, all in barnyard terms. First, we'll hear about the fox, and then about the hen, all as Jesus is on his way to buy the farm. Luke's Gospel mentions the city of Jerusalem more than the other three, Matthew, Mark, and John. And Luke's Gospel especially highlights how Jesus made his way steadily with resolve to the city of Jerusalem to carry out his mission from the Father there. Just a little earlier in Luke 13, it says that Jesus was making his way through the towns and villages, preaching and teaching on his way to Jerusalem. But here, at the beginning of our section, some Pharisees come up to Jesus, and they say, leave this place, go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Some people have supposed that it was really the Pharisees that wanted Jesus to leave, more so than King Herod. They supposed that The Pharisees were just trying to get rid of Jesus, and that would make sense, because the section right before this one, Jesus had been speaking out against those who were very acquainted with God, but would be shut out of God's kingdom. And those kinds of sermons were oftentimes preached against the Pharisees and the attitude of the Pharisees, and the Pharisees didn't like those sermons. But Jesus replies to them, go and tell that fox. Go and relay this message to King Herod. So Herod must have been really behind this ultimately, even if he used the Pharisees as messengers. 
Now, which Herod was this? There were several different Herods uh, back then and spoken of in the Bible. Uh, This was not Herod the Great, who, when Jerusalem heard that there was a new king in town, they were all disturbed because of Herod's wrath, and Herod the Great tried to have Jesus as a baby put to death. This is Herod the Great's son, Herod Antipas. He was a tetrarch, ruler of a couple different territories, Galilee in the north and Perea on the east side of the Jordan River. And this Herod Antipas was the one who had put John the Baptist to death. Herod had taken his brother Philip's wife, Herodias, to be his own. And John the Baptist, a popular and powerful preacher, spoke out against that. This is not right for you to have her. This is unlawful. This is sin. Herod wanted to kill John. But he was afraid of the people. Most politicians don't like their poll numbers plummeting. And so he just kept John in prison for a time. Until, in his own foolishness, Herod promised a dancer at one of the dinner parties that she could have a big favor from him. Anything up to half his kingdom. That dancer happened to be the daughter of Herod's new wife. They asked for John the Baptist's head on a platter. Yet Herod viewed this whole incident as a pain in the neck for himself. To have these preachers who are willing to speak out against sin, wanted to get rid of them. But he didn't quite out and say it. He sent someone else to be his messengers. Even if it took a death threat, he just wanted to get rid of Jesus. Didn't want to have any more blood on his hands. He was cunning. He was sly, like a fox. Because he wanted to have his own kingdom. He wanted to sit on his little throne and do whatever he wanted. He was the fox. Yet we can't help but hear about Herod's slyness and remember our own. Because you and I are just like Herod that fox. We like to have things just the way we want them and do whatever we want, live however we want in our life. And when someone else comes onto our turf, comes into our territory and wants to point out sin, we don't like that at all. So we try to make excuses. I don't have time to talk about it right now. Or that's not what's really going on. Or maybe we send someone else as a messenger because we don't want to talk to the person face to face. Uh, Get out of here. What? My crude choice in entertainment? My busybody behavior? My temper? My overindulgence? My gossip? There's nothing to see here. No big deal. Move right along. And, And in fact, if you do stick around, there's bound to be trouble. We like to have our own little throne, our own little kingdom, do whatever we want, just like Herod. And we act rather sly, just to dismiss those who would point out our sin. Yet Jesus will not be tricked. He calls the fox for what it is, and he calls out our cunning and sly behavior today. He will have no part of it. 
Jesus would not be outfoxed by King Herod. Because there was a bigger campaign going on, a bigger mission. Jesus had his sights set on that, and he would not be deterred. Rather than sneak away and retreat, Jesus was going to continue going about his ministry boldly and out in the open. Rather than be concerned about his own life and protect his own skin, Jesus was going to focus on healing others and watching out for others. Rather than being driven out of Herod's territory, Jesus was going to drive out demons and fight back. Jesus would not be deterred. He was determined to go to Jerusalem. There were no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He said this was a must. This was a necessity for no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem, especially not this one. This was God's plan and God's determination. And not only was Jesus in charge of where he would go and where he would die, he was in charge of the time frame too. He mentioned not once, but twice. Today, tomorrow, and the third day. Today, tomorrow, and the next day. Jesus was in control of when he would lay down his life as well. Because he was determined to go to Jerusalem for all of our slyness and slipperiness, for all of our cunning and crafty attitudes, Jesus was determined to lay down his life so that we would have a plot in his pasture, a room in his house, so that we would have a lot on his farmland. Jesus was about to buy the farm. He was determined to do that for you and for me. And if we were to think that his goal was Jerusalem, notice what he says. On the third day, I will reach my goal. His end game, his goal was not to die. It was also to rise again. So Jesus foreshadows here his resurrection, his victory, his conquering sin, death, and the devil there at Jerusalem. And he wanted all the foxes and all the sheep all the goats and all the wolves and any other creature, any other person to know about it. As he was about to buy the farm, he spoke out against the fox. But he also speaks as the hen. The little baby, Joash, was so young when the rest of his family was slaughtered. Joash was heir to the throne and his uncle, Jehoiada, a priest, and his aunt, one of the priests, uh, the priest's wife, hid him away in the temple for six years, his entire early childhood. Joash was hidden away until Jehoiada, the priest, regained the throne for him. And the Lord blessed King Joash there in Jerusalem. Joash turned the people's hearts back to the Lord, he instituted many religious reforms. He served the Lord. But then later in life, King Joash turned away from the Lord. He and the people of Israel around him. But his cousin Zechariah, son of Jehoiada, spoke out against Joash's sin. Joash and the people of Jerusalem, they plotted and conspired against Zechariah. 
and they had him stoned to death. After all that Zechariah's family had done for Joash, how disgraceful. After all the Lord had done for Joash, sparing him in his infancy, how ungrateful. This was not the only time by far that that had happened. King Jehoiakim, during the time of Jeremiah, there was a prophet named Uriah who spoke out against Jerusalem and the king. King Jehoiakim had Uriah the prophet followed over to Egypt, had him extradited so that he could cut him down with a sword there in Jerusalem. Or think of Isaiah. According to church tradition, Isaiah was the one alluded to in Hebrews chapter 11 who was sawed in half. This supposedly done by wicked King Manasseh who reigned in Jerusalem for many decades and filled the streets with innocent blood. Time after time, the Lord sent prophets to his people, messengers to speak out against their sin, yet again and again, God's people turned away, turned a deaf ear, and so often turned to violence. Yet Jesus still says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather you. Jesus, by repeating the words, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, shows his lament and his longing for them, his concern and his compassion for them. This phrase brings out the deep love of Jesus, even toward those who would completely be violent and rejecting toward him. Jesus wasn't kidding when he said, God so loved the world. When he said, God our Savior wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. When Jesus said, love your enemies. Or in Romans 5 when God said, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. What determination, what longing. Because Christ compares himself to a hen here. A hen, uh, according to those who have uh, raised hens and spent a lot of time around chickens, a hen apparently has different sounds, different clucking noises that it makes for different things for its chicks. might make one clucking sound when it's Time for the chicks to come to feed. Another clucking sound when it's time for those chicks to follow mom around the barnyard. Still another clucking sound when it's time to look out. There's danger. There's a predator around. When the hen makes that clucking sound and sees danger, she spreads out her wings, seeks to scoop up those chicks of hers and gather them in close to her heart, close to her side deep compassion of a mother hen for her chicks. And reportedly, a hen is willing to face flames, fire, danger, disaster, the attack of a predator, even to the point of being knocked unconscious or put to death, all to protect her chicks. This is the deep love, the deep compassion that Jesus had even for his enemies and even for sinners like you and like me. 
Jesus loved these people of Israel and his deep love for us as well. He ached to have them with him, even though he was going to die for them. Yet parents can relate well to this, can't they? As their children grow up, how often, too often it happens, where children wander their own way, they get stubborn, they go into self-destructive patterns, they start running with a bad crowd, they get rebellious, they get deeper and deeper into trouble, wandering away, wandering toward the predator. Parents feel helpless as they call out, as they hold out their arms. Yet, just like Jesus, as much as we want those who are straying and wandering to be saved and to find refuge, we can't force them. Neither can the Lord. The Lord won't force anyone. Their house has left them desolate. In the end, they find emptiness, the absence of God's protecting arm. Today, Jesus calls out to you and to me. He calls out to all the stubborn and all the straying. He says, come. He holds his arms out for each of us through us, extends those outstretched arms to others. He says, come, take refuge in me. I will shield you from disaster. I will shield you from the Father's wrath. I will shield you in the day of judgment and destruction. Come. Jesus ends our sermon text on a note of hope, on a note of joy. He says, Jerusalem, you won't see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This from Psalm 118, a messianic psalm. People of Israel would sing, and then later they would reject the Lord. But this is our hope, that Jesus, our King, comes to us. Jesus in his patience Jesus in his compassion, Jesus who longs to gather us together as a hen gathers her chicks. Let's extend this compassion to others as well, the compassion of the hen, as Jesus goes and is about to buy the farm. On August 6th and August 9th of 1945, planes flew over Japan Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and dropped atomic bombs on that country. Estimates of up to 200,000 people died from that. In World War II, on a broader scale, scores of millions of people bought the farm. But whether it's wartime or not, here we are all destined to buy the farm as well. The wages of sin is death. But when Jesus went to buy the farm, he bought so much more. He bought you and me. He bought everyone, paid for the sins of the world with his blood. This is Jesus in his determination to go and buy the farm. Let us be just as determined to confess our slyness, 
confess our coming, all of our craftiness as the fox. Lord, forgive us. Let us look to the hand. Jesus, in his compassion and determination and love and forgiveness, as we continue to watch him this Lent, going and about to buy the farm for you and for me. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We continue with prayer. Jesus, we praise you for your determination to go to Jerusalem for your enemies and for those who rejected you, even for us. In your mercy, Lord, allow us to take refuge in you and to join the celebration of your humble death for our victory and our life. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the 51 years of marriage that you have granted to Dick and Kathy Knack. Throughout all the seasons of life, you have been their constant source of blessing and their ever-present help in trouble. Please keep them and their family in your tender care. Bless their anniversary celebration and keep them close to each other and to you in the years to come. Jesus, Lord of the nations, we plead for your mercy on behalf of the people affected by the conflict over in the Ukraine, for those who fight and for those who flee, and for those who seek to help and aid. According to your will, bring peace soon. You have won peace between us and God. Keep our sister Christians and their congregations in your care as they hold out the word of salvation in you and as they seek to show love toward all in need over there. Hear the prayers of your people and act in the way that you know is best. And Jesus, Lord of life, please be with, with Dick and Janice Stelb, as their daughter Brenda was called from this life earlier this week. Also be with Will and Eileen Baylitz, as Will's brother died recently. And also with Scott and Jackie Mayer, as Jackie's mother, Carol, died just this morning. Because you rose from the dead, Lord Jesus, all who trust in you will rise in triumph when you return. Comfort all who mourn, 
and help us to cling to you in faith through this veil of tears. We bring these and all our requests to you, Heavenly Father, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you. up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord. Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who brought the gift of salvation to all people by his death on the tree of the cross, so that the devil who overcame us by a tree would in turn by a tree be overcome. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. give thanks to you, O God, through your dear Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to be our Savior, our Redeemer, and the messenger of your grace. As we remember his death and resurrection, we thank you that you have gathered us together to receive his body and blood. Send us your spirit, unite us as one, and strengthen our faith so that we may praise you in your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. 
This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.